ready. Hit it. Ready to cut through the BS? And here's some ways to drive your business forward today. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to Biz Sprints Podcast with your host, Y'all know the name. Michael McMillan. Check it out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Biz Sprints. This is Michael McMillan. I'd like to thank you for coming back for another week of tips and tricks to help drive your business forward. This week, we are talking about a topic that comes directly from your lips to my ears, which is, uh, this is listener's choice. I've been listening to you guys and hearing and taking in all of your feedback, which I appreciate so, so much. And please, uh, by all means, you know, please feel free to keep getting up to the iTunes store, uh, leaving your feedback, emailing me, posting on my website. Uh, I am listening, and this episode is here to prove it to you. Um, so many of you reached out to me uh, around a topic that you really wanted me to talk about, um, which was customer service. Um, you know, I know you guys all kind of called me out on it, which is, you know, Mike, you have all this background in call center customer service. You got to be able to talk about something uh, that would be very relevant to our businesses. So um, I do. And I really am actually excited about talking, taking on this topic here for you. Um, it's fascinating, though, is that I will tell you guys that when you're talking about a topic that you literally dealt with your entire life. Um, it's actually interesting to try to hone this topic down to something that I can talk to you guys about in a half hour, uh, through you know, which is basically the normal length of these podcasts. So um, this week, I definitely wanted to tackle this for you, though, and I really wanted to talk about specifically what does it take to drive a great customer service experience for your organization when you're ready to scale. Um, this is going to be a little tricky topic to talk about because there's so many ins and outs of this, right? Um, I mean, I've had a customer experience for multiple organizations. I advise a lot of companies about this exact topic. Um, and I will tell you that when you're talking about really prepping your organization for scale and specifically around your customer experience side of it, um, it literally touches every single side of your business. I mean, I don't, everything from HR and finance all the way out to sales and marketing and every department in between and all of the operations. So today, I really just want to focus in on what is some of the critical elements you need to do this week to start getting everyone ready for scale and for a more successful customer experience uh, every each and every day. So to kick this off, um, it was actually kind of cool. I feel like this is cheating, but I found a great article. Uh, just came out here on March 19th uh, by Stefan Hyken uh, on Forbes, uh, which is the 10 reasons organizations fail to deliver great customer service. Uh, I'm just going to give you the quick bullet points on this, and then let's talk through these a little bit. Uh, so number one is they have not defined the company's service vision or innovation. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've exactly seen just that. Number two, they do not hire the right people to fit the company's culture and personality. Number three, they do not train the skills needed to deliver a better experience for uh, their internal or external customers. Number four, they uh, think training during onboarding or be a big session is the total package. Number five, they have leadership that doesn't provide a role model for others to emulate and aspire to be like. Number six, they do not celebrate successful customer service and uh, customer experience wins wins uh, with their employees. Number seven, they don't recognize that customer service and customer experience are simply departments or strategies. They treat I'm sorry, number eight, they treat employees uh, one way and then expect employees to treat the customer differently. 
Number nine, they think their customer service and customer experience are better than the customer thinks it is. And number 10, they are, um, uh, they are more interested in profit than taking a customer-focused approach and building customer relationships. When I read through these lists, I was pretty impressed, to be honest with you. This is uh, uh, more truer words could not have ever been spoken about most of these on here. Um, and I will tell you all of this, this whole list is all summed up into one resolution, though, which is planning. It's that simple. I mean, companies, it astounds me to this day. I walk into organizations, and I mean, I'm talking, I've walked into organizations that have been around for 50 years, and the lack of planning when it comes to customer service and customer experience is frightening. Uh, I mean, companies just do not take the time to really understand that if they want a great customer experience, they have to get and build it out. And where it all begins is putting a pen to a piece of paper and writing out what do you want it to be. Um, I really liked how he, uh, he actually summed this up in here, which is number one was, you know, they have not defined the company's customer service vision or initiative. This is what I'm talking about here, ladies and gentlemen, which is what do you want it to be? What do you want to be when you grow up, right? But not even just what do you want to be when you grow up. What do you want it to be today? When someone looks at your company today, what do you want them to say? Do you want them to say, man, that company loves people? Or do you want them to say, that company is the fastest response company I've ever seen? Good, bad, or indifferent. They might not have good news for you, but they're going to tell you quickly. And when they have great news, they're going to even tell you faster. And it's, that's their idea. Or with Southwest, right? They even put it into everything, which is love. We love our employees. They love their employees more than they love everything. And they admit to it, right? Is that uh, for them, uh, that they believe the employee is first on all accords. They don't care. Customer comes number sec- is come second. Employees are first. Um, but the way they build that is, is they wrote it down. And that is step number one. So this week, uh, you know, and I know I'll sum this up at the end again for you, but really, first and foremost, take this one, write it down. First and foremost is go find out right now, has your business written down what your customer experience is that you want to drive to your customers? If not, write it down. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be written down. You know, so many companies stress over this and they're like, oh, I got to, you know, I'm going to have to call this meeting and it's going to be days and we have to go to this offsite and we all have to get drunk and then we can write out this amazing mission and vision. Say, no, 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 way too much. Sit down, write it down. It's that fast. Literally, this thing could be a one liner that is 20 words, 10 words, one word. It's actually best if it's one word. And then go share it around the office. You call that thing V1 and you iterate on that bad boy, right? It doesn't have to be perfect, please. The less is more is so critical here. It's just the act of writing it down and getting your organization to talk about it. Number two, which is hire the right people. This, a truer statement could never have been said. But again, to the point which I just made is, once you write down that vision and that initiative that you're trying to drive here in your organization, you then need to write down the second piece is, what are the type of people that are going to be able to fit inside of that vision that you now have? What does that look like to you? Is it, you know, 
are you thinking a younger group of uh, you know people? Are you thinking about you know forward thinkers, some hipsters? You know what do you what what kind of makes up that type of person that's going to fit inside of your organization to drive that culture and customer experience vision that you now have, and then go and find those people and test it. Now, mind you, the one big here is thing is is that. Just because you write down what you believe it's going to be doesn't always mean it's going to be exactly that. Um, I remember back in the day, I actually, it's one of my first sales organizations I built uh, from the ground floor up. And I had this idea that like I needed like just these tenacious sales guys who are just going to kill it all, you know, kill it at all costs. Like, you know, just that was all they're going to, they're going to eat, drink, sleep, breathe sales. And that is the group I built. And Interestingly enough, I, I missed my numbers all over the place. Uh, we just couldn't, we just weren't hitting it. So taking a chance, I hired someone way out of the norm, way out of my initial uh, you know, thought and uh, perception of what I wanted my experience to be like in sales. And we killed it with her. She was just incredible. She was soft-spoken, very timid, very, um, you know, very you know, caring and just more of passion on that. And was amazing at what we were trying to do. Converted, you know, five, six X what all the other guys were doing. And it was and in that in that case, I just had to understand. I had my gut check moment, right? And just iterate what I wrote down. But I did. I immediately I wrote it down, got rid of all those other people, and hired that. And it really turned the tide. So hiring the right people is critical, but also having the humility to understand that you might not get it right the first time and then continue to continue to improve it, but driving people to try to build that community around. The third piece on here, again, and I think they go through this a lot on here, which is training. Um, And you can't get more uh, correct on this, which is, and this is why we're talking about writing it down, right? Once we have our vision down, once we have our uh, vision down for also the people who fit the vision, is now we need to train them. Right? You need to give them the guidance for what these people are, what you're hoping for these people to do. Because just because I bring in the right people and I have the right idea of where I want them to go, if I don't train them on how to get there, they're never going to get there. You know, it's just like, you know, throwing a person inside of a locomotive on a train and being like, okay, man, now go. They have no idea what they're, what they're doing. All they now know is like, oh, cool, I wanted to do this since I was a kid, but I have no clue. You need to train them. You need to give them the core fundamentals of, all right, now listen, you need to start the engine up. You need to make sure you have the air brakes engaged. You need to do this. You need to do that. I don't know how to drive a train, so I don't know why I'm going down this path. But you understand what I'm saying here is giving them the true training they need to be successful and then following it up, you know, Number five in here, they even talked about this, is leadership being a role model. But more so than that is, I think, is, is leadership being the mentor of customer experience. You know, when you have a leadership team that is really, and I mean really dedicated at driving an amazing customer experience with your organization, you see it, you feel it. Every employee in the company is talking about, is this in the good, uh, the best you know, intentions for the client? And if not, they stop it. Immediately they stop it. And they say, stop. We need to figure out what can we do to make this better for our client. And then you see that permeate the organization at every level. And it is an amazing place to be. But where all of that begins is at the top.
If not every one of your leaders is truly focused on actually driving an amazing customer experience, you then feel that as well. Um, I will tell you, I've been in multiple organizations where that is exactly the case, where you, know, you see this a lot with like more of a CFO type of led organization where all of a sudden the whole focus is on revenue. Every topic, every conversation is around you know, your burn rates or your revenue lines, your profit, and your loss, which are, don't get me wrong, are very important. They're critical. I mean, they are, they're, they're almost as, just as critical as this, but you lose that conversation around what is in the best intention for the customer. And the second you lose that, and the second that stops being a part of the bigger conversation, the whole company is in a different place. And for me, it was always just this place where I'm like, this is not a healthy place. This is just, I now know no one here is paying attention to the good of the customer. They're paying attention to what is the good of the company. And that's that's a dangerous place to tr- switch over and fall over to because now your customers truly become second or third or fourth, you know, uh, because in that scenario, it's kind of revenue first and now maybe employees second and maybe business third and now somewhere there the customer, hopefully. Um, really just really a dangerous place to get to. Um, kind of jumping down this list is one other thing I wanted to talk through, which is a misbelief that your customer service is actually better than it is. Um, there's a lot of different ways of measuring this and getting into this thing. Um, I will tell you some of the more... Uh, you know, some of the more popular ones is CSAT. Um, another one is NPS, Net Promoter Score. Um, I've used both of them in my career, and I've used them for different intentions. You know, I look at CSAT personally. If you're not familiar with it, um, please um, pause, go online, Google CSAT, C-S-A-T. Um, there's a billion websites that will tell you all about it and how you get certified and how you can spend a billion dollars on becoming more knowledgeable about it. Um, in long storm, like I said, is... How I've always used it is, is it's a basically a way to survey your customers and get information from your customers about their experience they just had with your business. I love CSAT for transactional type uh, information. So if I want to know how you did on a specific transaction or how that ex- uh, transaction went, I always go to CSAT because it can get me pretty granular. My favorite though, like my what I train organizations on, what I inject in every organization I've ever worked with, and I am a like bring the flag up the flagpole kind of guy is NPS, so net promoter score. The reason I love NPS is because it's simple. And I'm all about simple. I'm all about easy. NPS is one number. One number. That's it. It asks and it asks such a simple question, which is would you refer this business to someone else on a scale from 1 to 10? Now, the, the beauty of NPS and Net Promoter Score comes in from that 1 to 10 ratio. Um, depending on the organization you work with to set your uh, Net Promoter Score up, or if you do it yourself and get someone self-certified, um, your scaling could be as really hardcore or as lean as you want it to be. But in the organizations I've worked with, um, where I typically like to do this is, is that, um, so on a scale from one to 10, I know most people are probably thinking like, oh, it probably just works under the uh, same as being in school. You know, once you hit 70%, you pass. No, it's not that way at all, man. This is, these are, these are legit. So there's three categories. You have detractors, neutral, and promoters. A promoter is everything, is until you really get to a promoter status, 
your company's at neutral, which is also considered a negative. So first, which is your detractors. These are people who speak bad about your organization, who would not just uh, not refer your business, but also comp- like take active action to make sure people don't do business with your organization. This is a dangerous place to be. Um, where you get this, this is on, so again, scale one to 10, this is typically from one to five or one to six, again, depending on, uh, the scale you like to take on, um, is everyone who's a detractor. Normally I go one to five, just so you know. So from a score of one to five, I now constitute my business as a detractor. Now from six to eight. So if I get a six to eight, I'm a neutral which basically means people are just not going to talk about me. They're not going to promote me. They're not going to say not to go. They're just going to say nothing, which, again, is why in in the world of NPS, it's considered still a negative. Like, you don't want to be a neutral. That is not a good place to be. The final where you really want to be is the promoters, right, which is 9 and 10, and that's it. So as you can see, this is not an easy scale, right? Like if you push this into your business the first time, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be like, it's almost a gut check because it's like, oh gosh, okay, we have such a long way to go. And you do, but you can do it and you can get there. And what it's really pushing your business to do is, is it's pushing your business to be the best it can be. So why I, why I bring this up on here is, is that this really allows for you to understand really the health of your current customer experience and your customer service environment. Because I agree with what he says here is so many companies are like, oh, we're doing everything we need to do. We have a phone, we have a call center, we have email, we have web chat, we have an amazing website, and we're also all over social, and we just hired this community manager. What more can we do? Our customers have everything they ever needed. And you're absolutely incorrect. Um, what What I tell people always is, is the moment you think that, you are so incorrect, your business is about to fail um, because you have started to drink your own Kool-Aid. What you need to do is, is, and if you really want to prove it is, look at MPS, amazing, amazing, amazing tool. But number two is, is even easier. Go try using your own tools. Stop, stop beating around the bush. Pick up your cell phone, call into your own company and feel how it is to be a customer. Type an email. See how it is to be a customer of your organization. Ask a simple question. You know, where's my shipment? Where's my product? Hey, my services are down. What's up? You know, ask a question that your customer would really ask and see what it feels like. Um, And then the final pieces is, which I kind of already touched on. Remember, it said about uh, more interested in profit than uh, customer-focused approach. Where I'm going to talk to you about this is is that... we all kind of need to be on the same page with this when we're talking about customer experience, which is customer experience and customer service in all of my history is a top five P&L item on pretty much every company's P&L that I've ever seen. Um, if it's not top five, it's definitely top 10. Um, and that's where it belongs because guess what? It's customer experience. This is the driving force of your business. This is why companies stay with your organization. This is why people continue to come to your organization. This is why you get new business. It's why it's that expensive. But I will tell you on the flip side of that is I cannot tell you how many organizations have brought me in and paid me an extreme amount of money to answer one question, which is how do we cut down the cost of customer experience? Not how do we improve it? Or even how do we keep it consistent, but you know, cut the cost? No, it's just how do we cut that cost down? Because they just see it as a true cost center of their business. And 
it's, this is not, I mean, I'm not talking about big or small. This is everyone. I've seen this from the two-man startup to the, you know, multinational, uh, tens of thousands of employee type of companies and everything in between. And that question gets asked to me all the time is, how do I cut costs out of my customer experience team, Mike? And I tell them right away, as I said, you are now asking me the absolute wrong question. I said, what you need to be asking me, and this is the question you should be taking to your team, which is, how much return on our investment are we actually achieving? Because what I can guarantee you is, is that every time, and I tell this to every company, is that they're just not measuring it. So what's happening is, and this is truly a fail of the leaders of those departments inside those organizations, which is, instead of actually showing what is it done for the business, they're just saying what is the cost of the business. So now the accounting and finance teams are, you know, of course, you know, yelling at the CEO saying, hey, look, here's a way you can cut down cost and you can increase profitability and make all of your shareholders a lot happier with you. And that's breathing down the neck then of all the leaders of the organization. Or, I mean, to be, and then to put another context, if you're a small business, you're looking at your P&L for the first time, maybe in a quarter, and you're seeing it and you're like, oh my gosh, like double digit percentages are going to customer service. Like, how do I cut that down? Because I need that for advertising or marketing, whatever. And that's all you know. That's all the story you get. Where And that's where I said is that's the biggest miss on the leaders of those teams. Because what they need to be exposing, what they need to be showing is what's the revenue that that's been generating? What's the, um, you know, what is the actual attrition that they've been able to decrease the customer attrition by? You know, what is the actual average uh, rate of return for new customers spend? You know, so how many, you know, what's the actual increase in cart bend? These are the cusps. These are the things that you should know that are, should be immediately said the moment you say, let's talk about cutting down customer service costs. Um, because, yeah, if you don't know those numbers and those aren't even available to you and you don't even know what that looks like, yeah, let's cut it down. Because guess what? At this point, this business does not run on customer service, and even though it should be maybe. Um, so great points there. Um, really, really good points. And I, I really appreciate, uh, what this guy wrote here. And again, um, just so everyone knows all the links to all articles that I talk about are right on my website on bizprints.com. Go into the blog and podcast section. And if you click on the podcast, you'll see all of the links you want there and you can listen to the podcast again as well. Uh, but also get to all the links there for all the people contributing here. Um, so now pivoting here a little bit, um, not so much, but is this, you know, so what do we do, right? As you know, you kind of hear me talk about this a little bit is, is, you know, when we're talking about scaling our team, it's so much about planning, you know, so much about getting it written down, so much about engaging on that. But what happens when we're already scaling? Or what happens when it's already too late? Well, it happens a lot. And you're not alone. I think that's the main first and first thing I like to tell entrepreneurs all the time is and it doesn't matter the situation is you're not alone. We've all been there. And we've been there a thousand times. Um, it's one of those things where it is our moment of insanity of starting a business is that we keep screwing things up over and over again. So it's okay. Um, when you're talking about customer experience specifically, though, if it's already on a bad track, right? So let's say you've just, you know, you've already cut the budgets on them and there's like, it's down to brass tacks. You have two guys and you need 20. Um, and now your business is scaling up and what are you going to do? Um, first and foremost, it probably, I would be shocked if it is scaling up in that scenario, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, what do you do to react quickly? Well, let's talk about, so what do you, what do you need to do to react quickly is, is a lot of businesses 
believe the only way to react is to throw people at it. And it's a logical approach, to be honest with you. I, I, I get it. I truly get it. I, I used to feed off of that when I was still selling outsourcing services in the call center world. Um, I used to, of course, play on that. But what I will tell you is, is what I've learned over a period of time is that that is actually not the right approach. The right approach is actually is to first take an introspection on what is exactly going on in the organization. And secondary is what are customers actually calling about? Um, these are two easy questions that you could probably ask and get answered in easily an hour or two in your organization. Then on that same day, what you then need to do is, is ask the third question, which is where are these customers coming in for support? Now, it's not where are they ending up for support because where they're ending up for support will always be phone or email. That's a given. It's where are they starting out? Did they first start out on our website and then did they go to social and then did they go to our self-service site and then did they call and then did they email or did they email and then call? Whatever. Where is the point of origination? Where did it all begin? The reason is because one of the things I've, I've learned over the long haul is that phone and email are always, 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 I mean, with almost out exception, the end of people's gateway to try to get information. What I mean by that, so like, so when I'm, when I'm going through trying to find an answer to something, I never just pick up the phone and go. I always start somewhere else. So let's just use the example of Delta. I just was flying last week. Um, I had about, I think, like six flights or seven flights in a matter of five days. So in in that time, I had a few flights that were screwed up. And no fault of Delta. It was just uh, some mix-ups in my travel team. Um, but what I would ha- I needed to talk to Delta. But before I called Delta, what I would always do is, is I'd first pull up in the mobile app. That's my point of origination, people, just so I can pinpoint this for you. My point of origination, the Delta's point of origination with me is the mobile app. It's the first place I go for help. So I'd go on there and I'd pull open my trips and I'd see my trips and I'd say, okay, this has me leaving at 7.42 p.m. I was really supposed to leave at 12.42. What can I do next, right? In the Delta app, for instance, it doesn't really give me a choice to see what can I do about switching out my uh, my air, you know, my flights, because of course with Delta they like to charge change fees, which means you got to call the call center and beg, borrow, and steal to try to get them to waive it so you can get on a better flight. That's just how Delta runs, um, which is cool. So what does that make me do? It's simple. It makes me take to a level two uh, response, which is go over to the sidebar, go to contact us, click on contact us, click on the phone, and call Delta, and repeat my SkyMiles number, which I have now memorized, and then talk to an agent. Um, luckily I have, you know, the diamond elite, blah, 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 emerald class, whatever, uh, line. So I get right through to someone, but still it's, it's a pain. I now have to call and talk to someone. And as a millennial, I will tell you right now, that's the last thing I like to do. I mean, I love talking to people, but when it's, when it has to do with my flying, I I would rather, I'd rather never talk to you. Um, and their Twitter can't, their Twitter systems are good, but when talking about changing flights, you have to talk to a person at Delta. Um, so what do you, what am I, what am I getting at here is this, I gave you that story because I first and foremost wanted you to understand the point of origination, which is for Delta, it's the app. And maybe for your business, it also could be a mobile app. Um, but it also might be your website. It also might be Twitter. It might be Facebook. It might be Quora. Um, if you're not familiar with that's question answer, social site, 
pretty cool stuff. Um, it could be Periscope. It could be any of these channels, right? It doesn't matter what it is. But what it's, why it's important to know that is, is that is the place that your customers, and you need to figure where that is, is because that's where they're going for their support. And that might be from your community um, where it doesn't cost you anything to support them. Um, or it could be, you know, like I said, with Twitter, and then it might be that they're asking the questions, but you're not there. You're not supporting it. You're not monitoring it, right? The reason this is so critical to look at before you start throwing bodies at it is because if you can figure out the point of origination, then you figure out your actual response. Because so many companies I've worked with, they just go to this, like I call it, tier two support team, which is phone and email. And they say, oh, Mike, our cases are going crazy. Our phones are going off the hook. We need just to throw more bodies at it. How many people can you throw at this thing as fast as possible? But what they didn't realize is if we would have just fixed, let's say, their website and took in maybe five days to improve three things on their website, I could have cut maybe about 25 or 30% of that traffic and also maybe injected a smaller, much smaller team through a web chat service on that same website just to offer up help in a proactive web chat series and never needed any more call center people. But companies aren't willing to take the 30 seconds to breathe and look and instead they just respond because they respond with what they know and they respond out of fear. And with that comes the most expensive support you can get, which is always phone and email. Uh, I mean, bar none. I, email, not so much, but phone, sure. I mean, phone is expensive, people. I mean, it's not cheap, and it is expensive to support, especially when you get into domestic support here in the U.S. So this week, guys, um, in summary, what I wanted to make sure I left you with this week, um, again, talking about a topic, as you could probably tell I'm very passionate about, is... I want you to go and analyze your business's readiness for response to customer service for when your business is ready to scale and or if basically if shit hits the fan, like if things go wrong, what are you guys going to do? What's your disaster recovery plan? You know, what is your uh, early response teams look like? And are you really ready for it? Um, Key indicators, things you're looking for here, okay? You're looking for what is our vision for what our customer experience should be at all times. And, and that's can be un that you cannot bend that experience. It should be the the law of the land of this is the experience we will drive an organization. Number two, what is the hiring criteria that we have that matches that vision? And are have we been and have we been following it? If not, what are we going to do to start taking action to clean out house and make sure we get people in here who are only dedicated to the experience we're looking to drive? Number three, is the leadership currently in place in this organization driving a team towards great customer experience? If not, what are we going to do to start helping them promote themselves into their next career? Basically, how do we get them out of the house? Because if they're not there promoting the experience in which we're looking to drive to drive in this organization, you don't need them there. You need people who believe in the mission and vision of this organization at all levels, especially the customer experience vision. Number four, and this is truly so critical, is what are we going to do when it all hits the fan? Um, And this is where you need to really have a well-thought-out plan. And my suggestion is, is go through the steps that I just talked to you about. You know, first look, you know, first analyze what's happening. Who are, you know, who's coming in? Why is it coming in? 
what channels they're coming in on, what is that point of origination, and what can be our actual response that may not need to be phone and call center. And if you do that and you have that well vetted and have that well you know rounded out and processed you know detailed, you're going to end up you know, saving your company potentially millions and millions of dollars from reacting too fast and going right to a phone solution and just throwing an insane amount of bodies at this. Um, one of the industries, just uh, sorry, one more example on that last topic is, is one of the industries I service is the direct selling industry. This is like your Avons, your Mary Kays, and all these type and Herbalife and those kind of businesses. When those companies scale, they scale big, 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 big. And I'll tell you, every time I see this, they are scaling and they're all of a sudden increasing their headcount and their call centers by like 10x, you know, like almost week over week because they just believe they're like, oh my gosh, all of our distributors and all of our customers just keep calling and calling and calling when they don't realize that the reason they're calling is because their actual front support systems like their back office and all their uh, self-service tools suck. And if they were just to spend some more time and money in those and improve those, they'd probably eliminate, like, I, I, I've actually done some rough back napkin math. I'd say probably about 40 to 45% of all net traffic could get removed by just improving their back office systems. And this is why it's critical when your business, when it all hits the fan, first analyze. And if you could just maybe throw another ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 at you know, a different solution rather than phone, you're going to be in a much better place because you don't have to carry all that labor now. Final piece, guys, is constantly looking for ways to improve all of it um, from the vision, from the people, from the leadership, from the processes. Never let these things be stale and always, 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 always be looking at ways to improve these things, guys, because the moment you stop improving, the moment you stop innovating, your business stops becoming relevant, and that's when we start getting into a really scary place of not being able to be ready for scale and success. So guys, with that, I'd like to thank you so much again for all of your feedback and really bringing this topic to mind. Um, and please keep them ideas coming. I'm loving the questions. I'm loving the feedback. I really could use more and really excited to see what else can come of this so we can continue to drive some new ways to drive your business forward through success and through these podcasts to be able to make sure that you guys are getting good tips and tricks to drive your business forward each week. So till next week, guys, thank you again. My name is Michael McMillan. I look forward to talking to you again soon. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thank you for listening to Biz Sprints Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us at bizsprints.com for more tips and tricks to drive your business forward. No doubt about it.